Today we are continuing our series, Christmas Interruptions. And so if you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2 in verse number 1. It's a, a passage of scripture you're going to be very familiar with. It is basically, it is the Christmas story. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, while you're doing that, there was a, I'll tell you a story. There was a, a guy who was a jockey uh, back in the 1930s. His name was Ralph Neves. And Ralph Nees, was a, he was a pretty prolific jockey. He won just a little under 4,000 races. But what made him really famous was a, <clears throat> excuse me, was a race in particular in California back in the 30s. And as he was riding, uh, the horses in front of him began to stumble, and it spooked his horse. His horse stopped, just sort of slammed on the brakes, and it threw him forward. He went head first into the inside post, and it just knocked him out. He landed on the ground, but the other horses were running, and those horses trampled over his body. And he was just like a ragdoll flopping around on the racetrack. When he finally stopped, there was some, a medical team that was there that ran out onto the track. They tried to resuscitate him. They brought him back into an enclosed area, and they pronounced him dead. They took him to the hospital. The other jockeys, they immediately began to take up money, hoping to, to give some money to his new widow. Well, when they took him to the hospital, something incredible happened. Ralph Neves woke up in the hospital. He woke up and he said, I didn't think I was dead, even though I was really sore. Now, what was amazing is the next day, he went back to the racetrack to race his horse. When he got on his horse, some other jockeys saw him, and they began to scream in horror because they thought it was a ghost. He went on to win the races that day. And there's a really interesting article in the Los Angeles paper. It was headlined this. It said, Jockey tragically killed Thursday, wins the title Friday. Now, I am sure that most people were rather surprised that Neves won the championship a day after he died. But, you know, there are just times whenever things happen in life that just sort of, they're sort of surprising. You know, there's some things that sort of catch you off guard and some things that, that happen that, that just absolutely blow your mind. Well, as we are going through the Christmas season... On that very first Christmas, there were definitely some Christmas interruptions and some Christmas surprises that took place. Uh, we talked about it last week. One of the very first Christmas surprises was Joseph finding out that his fiancée was going to have a baby, and it wasn't his. That's news. That was shocking to him. And then he found out another surprise is he found out that that child was going to be the Messiah. Well, there was another Christmas interruption that also took place, and that is that Joseph and Mary were going to have to take an unexpected trip. Now, it, it's not any fun whenever you were caught off guard. It's not any fun whenever you face surprises in your life that you're not ready for. And, um, you know, I, th I think whenever Christmas comes, a lot of us sort of fall into this. We, we have surprises that come along that catch us off guard, and instead of having a merry Christmas, it turns out to be like a scary Christmas. And it's not, just, it's not a whole lot of fun. So my, my hope for you and for me is as we are approaching Christmas, that we will be prepared this Christmas to actually be prepared for the Christ of Christmas. And so that's why we're going to look in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1. And, and just a little background information uh, the Roman Empire, at this time, they were the world power. 
Israel fell under the territories of Rome at this time. And it was during this time when we look in Luke chapter 2 that we see that the Roman emperor Augustus called for a census to be taken. And so whenever that happened, that meant that the citizens of the territories, they had to return to their ancestral homes in order to be counted in the census. And so that's what's happening in our text. Joseph and Mary heard this order, so Joseph had to return to his ancestral home in this town called Bethlehem. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. And this town, it's, it's because of the very first Christmas that this town has, uh, it's a town of renown today because of this event, because the very first Christmas happened here. Now, the very first Christmas happened here, and the question is, were they ready for it? Were they ready for the first Christmas? Well, some people were, some people weren't. And it's my hope that you'll be ready for it. You know, it's very easy to get caught up, to get caught up in the busyness of Christmas, to get caught up in making sure everybody has what they need, having family over, that it just sort of, Christmas just sort of comes and it goes. I was talking to a lady this morning, and she said, I can't believe that Christmas is already here. I've got to hurry up and start getting things ready for it. So it's very easy to get caught up in that mindset to where we miss out on the greatest thing about Christmas. And so what I want us to look at today is some, some ways that we can be ready for Christ this Christmas. So what are some things that we can do? Well, the very first thing I see in our text is this. If we're going to be ready for the Christ of Christmas, then it starts with us preparing. If we're going to be ready for him, we have to prepare. Now, now look with me in verse number 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. And this first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Now records show us in history that the Romans would do a census once every 14 years. And the reason why they did this, it was a way for them to get count of who was in their population. Of course, because it was a government, they wanted to get count of the population so that they could tax them, right? So we all identify with this. They wanted to tax them. They wanted to know how many people they had so they could get, make sure that they had enough conscripts for military service. And so that meant for Joseph, he had to go back to his ancestral home, go to Bethlehem, announce what property he had, what his occupation was, who was in his family. Now that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, except for we're told that at this time, Joseph and Mary, now this is a little quiz for y'all, what town did they live in at this time? Yes, nobody knows. So that's good. Okay, so I'm going to share with you. That's why, like I've told y'all before, that's why I get paid the big bucks. They lived in the town of Nazareth. Okay, so they were traveling from Nazareth to his ancestral home. We're gonna, y'all help me out here. What town was it? Bethlehem. All right, there's a few of you here. So, there's a, so they went to Bethlehem. You know how far of a trip that was? 70 to 80 miles. I mean, it's not like they had cars back then. They're like, hey, hop in, let's go on, let's go on to Bethlehem. This was a trip where most people would walk. Now, if you walked 70, 80 miles, this was typically anywhere from a four to a seven-day journey. 
So for them to get to Bethlehem, it required some planning and preparation on their part. Right? Unless you're a guide and you're like, hey, whatever, I'll just grab a bag and I'm ready to go. They had to get ready. I mean, Mary's about to have a baby, so they had to make sure they had all the, all the clothing they needed. They had to make sure that they, I'm sure that they had some money just in case they needed to buy some things on the way down to Bethlehem. But they had to be prepared for the trip to Bethlehem. And, you know, very, very rarely do things work out well whenever you're not prepared. Things tend to go better whenever you're ready for something, right? Now, I heard a story about a man, an elderly man, went fishing. He was ice fishing. And he went to the, went to the lake, and he, he cut a hole in the ice, and he dropped his line down in there, had his rod. He was sitting there, and after about an hour, nothing was happening. And he saw this little boy come over, and he did the same thing. He was, sat down not too far from him, and he cut a hole in the ice, and he dropped his line in there, and they kind of waved at each other. That little boy's sitting there, and all of a sudden, he just rears back, and he just he hooks a fish. He pulls out this huge bass. And so the elderly man looks over at him, and under his breath, he just sort of mumbles, you know, hey, beginner's luck. And so he's sitting there, and he's fishing, and then about five minutes later, that boy reels in another fish. But every five minutes, he was just pulling in fish after fish. And that, that man was, I mean, he couldn't take it anymore. He's like, what is going on? So he gets up, and he walks over to the boy. He said, I've had my line in the water for a couple of hours, and I haven't even had one bite yet. What are you doing? And the boy looked at him, and he just sort of mumbled at him, and he said, rrr, rrr, rrr. And the man looked, and he said, what did you say? And he said, rrr, rrr, rrr. And the man's like, I, I can't understand, what are you doing? And the boy, he just holds his hand out, and all these worms fall out of his mouth. He said, you got to make sure you keep your worms warm. Now, now that's, a few of y'all enjoyed that, but whenever you're fishing, you know, if you're going to catch something, you got to make sure that you're prepared. Mary and Joseph had to get to Bethlehem. And if they were going to get to Bethlehem, they had to be ready. They had to have their clothes packed. They had to be ready for a long walk. But what's interesting to me about all of this is that the Lord had it in mind from the very beginning for them to get to Bethlehem. Did you know that it was prophesied about hundreds and hundreds of years before that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So God orchestrated these events. He orchestrated this census so that Joseph and Mary would be in Bethlehem so that the Messiah could be born there. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are a small clan, are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come the one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now that's, that's amazing. Hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, a prophet said, this is the town where the Messiah would be born. And God worked it out to where this prophecy would actually come true. So what does all this mean? Here's what it means. It means that God has been preparing. God prepared for years to meet you. To meet people, to send his son into this world, to bring transformation to all of life. Because God wants everybody to know him. We're told in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
God has prepared to come into contact with you. Now here's the question. Are you preparing to come into contact with God? Because I believe most of us, we miss out. We miss out, we miss out in the Christmas season. You know, we got family coming in. Got all these kids that are coming in. Hey, we got to make sure we get the right gifts for everybody. And all that stuff starts happening. And before long, we totally miss out on what this whole time of year represents. So let me encourage you to do something. Prepare this year to meet the Christ of Christmas. You might say, well, that sounds good, but what, what do I do? Yeah, how do we do that? I mean, just a couple little things. You know, as you prepare to open gifts this year, with your kids, if you have kids, your grandkids, here's something that's great to do. Before you do that, read the Christmas story. Just, just sort of be reminded about the very first Christmas and why it's so important. Concerning giving, this is something that's always fun to do. Whenever you go out, maybe you can go out to eat, leave an extravagant tip for a waiter or a waitress for Christmas. Just as a way to demonstrate to God your appreciation for what he's done for you. So, so how can we be prepared, or how can we be ready to meet the Christ of Christmas? Well, it begins with this. You have to prepare. But here's the other thing I see. The second way you can be ready for Christ this Christmas is to also be aware. Prepare, but then also be aware. Now look with me in verse number, uh, verse number 6. It says, while they were there, Bethlehem, the time came for her, Mary, to give birth. Now, Mary and Joseph were aware of their circumstance, of their situation. Mary is pregnant. She's about to give birth. They knew this. This did not catch them by surprise. And I sit there and I think, well, no kidding. I mean, obviously that's not going to catch them by surprise. But did you know there used to be a show on, on TLC called I Was Pregnant and I Didn't Know It? Any of y'all remember that show? That show blows my mind. I mean, people would, they, they, these ladies would go into the hospital, I had a horrible stomachache. And then they'd come out of the hospital with a baby. And I'm sitting there thinking, how did you not know that? Guys, can you imagine if your wife said, I think I've got the flu, and she comes in with a baby? I mean, that'd be crazy. Well, I look at Mary. Mary knew what was going on. She was aware of her body. She was about to give birth. She was prepared for it. Verse number 7 said she had cloths to put on her newborn son. She was ready for this time. She came prepared for the big day. But I would contend that many of us on Christmas, we're not, not only are we not aware of the significance of the day, but we're not even prepared to celebrate Christmas in the right way. We, we get caught up in the rush. We get busy. As a matter of fact, we can get so busy that sometimes Christmas is so stressful that it's not any fun. But if we're going to be prepared and ready to meet the Christ of Christmas, we need to be aware of what Christmas means. What does it mean? You know what Christmas is? Yes, Christmas is a time whenever God physically intervened into our world. That's a big deal. If you remember, before he came here, where was, where was Jesus? He's, he's with God. He's in heaven. He's, just, he's in a place where there, where there is no sin. He is a place of, in a place of perfection. He is in a place where there is no sickness, where there is no heartache. And yet he was willing to leave that place to come here. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 speaks of it well. It says, he, Jesus, made himself nothing. 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What's Christmas? As Christmas is whenever God put on flesh. Colossians 1.15 tells us, tells us this about Jesus. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That, that word image, it means the exact representation. Jesus is the exact representation of God. So whenever Jesus came into our world, he was giving people a 3D picture of who God is. But he also came here to be a sacrifice for us. And the Bible tells us that every person is plagued with sin. And sin separates us from God, and there's nothing on our own that we can do in order to make ourselves right with God. There has to be a payment for us to make us right with God. That's why Jesus came. He came here as the perfect Son of God to be a sacrifice for us. Now, you can say, well, why, why did he die for us? Why was that necessary? Well, Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. See, all I want us to do is just to be aware of what Christmas is. Of why it's important, of why, why it, it makes a difference. It is an example of God entering here in flesh and showing us how much he loves us. Jesus came here to personally communicate that message to us. You know, if, if he's not here personally to communicate that message, you know, it's very easy for there to be miscommunication. You know, communication between God and man is very important. It's, it's very important with people as well. I have, I have a LinkedIn account, and one of the things I like, I like about LinkedIn is sometimes there's some really good articles that you can pick up and you can read, and I found one that I thought was, that was entertaining. It had an had a, a article about funny miscommunications that have happened with companies whenever they were going into other countries and they were trying to communicate their slogans to sell their product. Now, I'll give you a couple of them that I thought were interesting. One of them is by the Swedish vacuum cleaner company called Electrolux. You all heard of Electrolux? When they first began to sell vacuum cleaners here, their very first slogan they thought would work well until an American heard it was this, nothing sucks like an Electrolux. <laughs> that just made me laugh. They're like, that's probably not going to work very well. Uh, in China, whenever Kentucky Fried Chicken went into uh, to China, you know, their, their big slogan, finger licking good. Well, in Chinese, that translates into eat your fingers off. It's so good, you know, eat your fingers off. Uh, and then there was another one in Miami. Whenever the, the Pope was coming to visit, they made some, a guy made T-shirts in Spanish for the Spanish community that said, I saw the Pope, it, except for it said, I saw the potato. And so, you know, so sometimes, you know, communication doesn't work out very well if you're, not, if you're not careful. Well, that's what Christmas is for us. God said, I want to communicate with people who I am and why I am coming. So he sent Jesus. So how can, how can I be ready to meet the Christ of Christmas? We have to prepare. We have to be aware. And then finally, to, to be ready to meet the Christ of Christmas, then we have to decide. And that's the last point. We have to decide. Verse number 7 says, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, whenever Mary and Joseph 
arrived in Bethlehem, we know the story. They got there, and they were looking for a place to stay, and they couldn't find anywhere. And I thought about that. You know, remember, they're, they're, going, they're traveling back to Joseph's ancestral home, which would seem to indicate he would have had family there. He couldn't even stay with his family. Now, I don't know why. Maybe they had a really small house. Could be that because Mary and Joseph, at this time, they were not married, and she's about to give birth. That doesn't look good. So it could have been some of the families like, hey, y'all, y'all aren't married, we're not going to have you here, and they, they, they rejected them. Now, they did end up finding one place where they could stay, and it turned out to be in a stable area. Not, it was not five-star accommodations. You know, they're staying where the animals feed. And whenever Jesus was born, they laid him in a trough, a feeding trough. And whenever I think about that, I, I wonder if, you know, like years later, after people began to know who Jesus was, I wonder if some of those people who lived in Bethlehem thought, God, I wish we would have had him stay here. But, you know, after Jesus was born, the spot where he was born, now, they marked that place off. As a matter of fact, they have built a church over the birthplace of Jesus. It's, it, that church has stood there in Bethlehem since 300 A.D. But they didn't mark the spot until after Jesus was gone. Now here's the deal for us. Right now, you and I have the opportunity to invite Jesus in. You see, what Jesus has done is he's entered into our world in order to connect with you and with me. And he is very, I believe he's very lightly knocking on the door of our lives and we have a decision to make. Will there be room for him in our lives or not? You know, Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, if we don't invite him in, let me tell you something, we're going to miss out on the greatest opportunity of our life. But it is up to you, it's up to me, this Christmas, to decide, are we going to open up our lives to the Christ of Christmas who came here in order to restore our relationship with God. Now I believe that in general most people aren't ready. Aren't ready for the Christ of Christmas. They're not ready because they're not looking for him. They're not ready because they're busy. A couple of years ago, I saw an interesting article that was done in the Washington Post. There's a man named Joshua Bell. He's a world-renowned violinist. He uh, he, he played at Carnegie Hall when he was 17 years old. He ended up winning a Grammy for playing the violin. He plays, anytime he plays, he's paid thousands and thousands of dollars. But they decided to do something uh, a little bit interesting with him. What they did is they, they, they disguised him, they put a ball cap on him, they sent him down into the Washington, D.C. subway system with his Stradivarius violin, and he began to play his violin, did a concert. As he's sitting there playing, the, the commuters are walking by, over a thousand people passed him in about 45 to 50 minutes that he played. Seven people stopped. World-renowned violinist. He ended up getting $24 in tips when he's normally played thousands and thousands of dollars. Now it's interesting, they actually filmed him doing this, and so we have a, just a little video. I just think it's interesting to watch him play and just watch as people walk by. So let's watch that video.
And I thought about that. I watched that video and I thought, that is Jesus on Christmas. A genius on the side playing a beautiful song for all of mankind. And thousands and thousands and thousands walk by not paying attention. I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen with you. I don't want it to happen with me. The Savior of the world entered into our world, and this is a time when we should stop and thank him and recognize him. Now, here's the question. What will you decide to do? Will you just continue to go on living your own life, or will you take time to stop and to recognize Jesus, to say thank you? Maybe some of you need to do that today. In a moment, you'll have an opportunity to pray. Just simply say, Jesus, I want to stop today, and I want to thank you for entering into this world. Now, maybe for others of you, it is time for you to decide today to follow him. To follow him and say, Lord, I will give my life to a Savior who came here for me. And I will live for you. Now, what I'd like for us to do is I'd like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes as we close out the service. And, and I just want to encourage some of you, some of you as believers, you can just simply take this time and just simply take time to, like you were stopping in your day and saying, Jesus, I just want to recognize you today. I want to honor you and tell you thank you for what you've done for me. Maybe others of you, you need to take the time today to decide to follow Jesus, to live for him. And so where you're seated, I'll just encourage you, you can, you can pray silently to the Lord something like this. Just simply say, Lord, I, I am coming to you today. And Lord, I recognize that I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven of my sin, so I'm asking you to forgive me. I, I will turn away from my sin, and I am believing that you are the Savior of the world, that you lived, that you died, and that you rose from the grave. Save me, Jesus, and be my Lord and Savior. Pray that prayer something like it. You can take your bulletin out. We have a contact form. Fill that out. Just check that line. It says, I commit my life to Christ. And then you can tear that slip of paper out. As you're leaving today, we'll have ushers at the back that will be holding baskets. You can drop that in the basket. So we can just get you some information that will help you in your new journey with Jesus. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you as a church, as believers. Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for the incredible gift of Jesus. Lord, I pray that this, this season, that we will take time to recognize you. Lord, to prepare to meet you, to be aware of you, and then to decide to follow you. God, thank you. And in, in humble adoration, Lord, we lift your name. We lift it high say thank you. And I pray these things in Christ's name.